Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. set free carrying kingdom revelation thank you father that as i join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessings and increase upon me so i have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see jesus get his full reward hallelujah all right amen we're, we're so excited you're here. Thanks for joining us. If you're new with us just this week or just been a few times, can you just raise your hand? We're just going to welcome you upper room style. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate you being with us. It's a great place, so welcome. A um, few things going on right now. At 9.15 each week, uh, there's a thing called Foundations Class. Sue and Steve Justice do that. It's, it's the life you've always wanted. They're going through a book. Uh, it's really awesome. I don't believe it's too late to join, so if you're interested in that, come next week, 9.15, and uh, be a part of that class. Also, starting tomorrow is Operation Christmas Child. So next week, you'll see a bunch of Christmas boxes. Uh, we're the, um, the cities or this, at least this area's collection site. Uh, so Tiana's heading that up, and there's a sign-up sheet out at the welcome desk. If you could serve any of the times, it's most of the evenings this week, and then a little time next Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So uh, if you could help at all, that'd be awesome. And then also, I put the blue bags out there. Um, there is about 20 more blue bags, Ikea bags out there. We're doing the Love Explosion next Saturday. It's at 10 a.m., but what it is is we are trying. Our goal is 100 turkey dinners. So Steve and Tiana, Mike, a few others, but Steve's really kind of running with this. There's instructions on that bag. All you do is grab a bag. You buy the things that are listed on the bag and bring it back next Saturday morning. So you can bring it back as early as 9, but at 10 o'clock, we're going to go out and deliver those bags to all the apartments around in the low-income areas and just bless people with a surprise of a turkey dinner, and our goal is 100 next Saturday. So grab one on your way out, purchase the stuff as a family, maybe grab a couple for your office, whatever, and then just make sure they get back here Saturday morning. So we're excited for that. Also, we have a cool Christmas decorating party uh, November 19th. That's a Sunday, 4 o'clock, and uh, we put on the, the, the email that got sent out, food, pizza, and fun provided, free of charge. Okay, so anyways, that's, uh, that's Sunday 19th at 4 o'clock. We're going to transform and, uh, into Christmas on that Sunday, so it's going to be exciting. Also, Christmas Eve services, December 24th, we're doing a 10 a.m., just a one-hour service that will be the same as our candle-lighted service at the 8 p.m. that we always do. So Christmas Eve this year, since it falls on a Sunday, there'll be a 10 a.m. and an 8 p.m. They will be the same service. And then also New Year's Eve falls on a Sunday, we're just going to do one 10 a.m. service. So we'll pack out the house, we'll have fun, and we've got some creative ideas about what to do. We're going to actually make declarations as families and pray together and and just see that 2018 is going to be an incredible year for all of us. All right, I see on here a note that was added. December 9th from 11 to 1 is Make It, Take It. That's a family event for all kids, families. So that's December 9th here uh, at 11 a.m. Also, fill the truck for Texas. Uh, we're excited. Matt, who sang the national anthem, he has coordinated that in the city for fill the truck for Texas. It's a fourth truck that's going to be going down to Texas and the final truck. And it departs. 
Saturday afternoon. So if you want to donate anything to that truck, you need to get it there either Wednesday evening or Saturday morning, and then the truck's pulling away, and it will be gone. Um, And then also... We're going to start a new series coming up called Every, uh, with every table, every house, every church, and every community. We're excited for that. It's actually going to be a three to four month series, and uh, we're just going to talk about what does it look like to literally see transformation in your marriage, revival in your marriage, your home, your church, your city, and in the kingdom. So just filtering out like that, just expanding out. All right, last thing is, today after service, we want to invite you. We know you're at the 9. You may go do something, but we're inviting you back at 1 o'clock. We have the thing called the connection. We're providing lunch, and it's to get to know upper room. Why do you come here? What, what do we believe here? Who are the pastors? What do we like? You know, what, are we even cool to hang out with? All right? We might look cool up here on a stage with a microphone, but are we actually weirdos? So anyway, we are a little bit. I'm going to give you that. But anyway, 1 o'clock, lunch is provided, but I know it's a quick decision, but we're trying to get a head count for uh, food purposes today. We're ordering pizzas, and we got salads and fruits and all kinds of stuff planned, but uh, we've tentatively planned for 100, but if there's anybody interested, could you just raise your hand if you're coming back at 1 o'clock for the connection? See, one, a few more. Okay. Well, I hope lunch is packed where you're going, and you have to wait till 1 o'clock anyway. Totally kidding. Um, so anyways, we're going to be doing that. It's about once a quarter, a couple times a year for you to get to know us. Also ways to invite back in um, to, to figure out how do I get connected? Where do I serve? How, what small group ministries are there, etc. So it's called the connection so that you could be more connected. Um, and if you didn't make this one, there'll be, there will be more. And if you didn't raise your hand and you get to about 1230 and you want to come back, just come. We're going to order extra. So we just want to invite you to that, to that at one o'clock. So awesome. We thank you. My brother's going to come up. Oh, I need to dismiss the kids. So one through five years old, you're dismissed. You need to be carried back by an adult to the secured area, and uh, we'll, we'll get this on. So my brother Matt, and um, I think he's got some plans, so he's going to speak today. Love you all. How is everybody today? Just good? We're going to call up Nick and uh, Richard. You're going to get to know a few of our vets today. Is that all right? Well, you guys are an exciting bunch. I'll tell you, Tip City, uh, my son goes to Troy schools, but Tip City did an amazing thing on Friday. Um, They marched all the fifth graders from Broadway down to the Veterans uh, Memorial, all of them, and it was freezing. And uh, they did a huge uh, Veterans Day uh, memorial service. Uh, The kids sang God Bless America. They had a big, huge flag that uh, the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts got to fold there. Uh, But it was just, it was heartwarming. And I saw Tiana and uh, Kyler. I didn't see Chloe, but she, I know she was there. She was probably all bundled up like a snow bunny. But um, it was just neat. And it's, it's awesome that, guys, what are you doing? Come, come. It's like they're so far away. Um, but it's, the Veterans Day is, is a very important day. You know, you have Memorial Day and then you have Veterans Day. 
Memorial Day is where we remember the, the soldiers and all the veterans who have lost their life. A Veterans Day is where you get to really show appreciation, not just for those who have lost their life, but also those who have served and those who are currently serving. Uh, so we, at this church, we've always, always, always uh, had a spot in our heart for the veterans. Not just for the veterans and what they do, but, but the whole premise behind our country, our constitution, um, how we get to do what we're doing today, this freedom that you guys are enjoying uh, by coming here and worship. I was seeing where, you guys remember when Rick Pino came just uh, not that long ago? He's actually, I think he said he was in Indonesia in an underground church. And it was totally, the ceiling was very low, and then they were all worshiping. I mean, there was quite a few of them, but they have to do it underground. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, first off, I don't know if our spirit could be tempered underground. Like Michael, if you were here for the burn, uh, we'd definitely get in trouble with that guy. I would not worship underground with Michael. You're going to get caught. <laughs> but, uh, no, we do want to take a day, and they asked me, I'm a, I'll tell you just a little bit about my story. And there are many, many vets here. And I pulled up, I just randomly select two that I, I've been serving with here at the church that we, we just want to share our story a little bit, share what we are about, who we are, uh, how we join, what we did, what veteran type of service that we did. And the best one will start first, and that's the Navy guy, and that's me. So uh, I will start the service out, and then we'll turn it over to these two who are definitely in different branches of the service. But uh, in 1991... Uh, that's when I signed up to go into the military. I actually went in in high school and signed right when uh, Desert Storm was, was Operation Freedom, actually, at that time was going on. And uh, I come from a veteran, my father, wave your hand, uh, also the best service, right? <coughs> He's got something. Yeah, there you go. Put it on. <laughs> he always joked with me, though, because I'll, I'll get to it in a second. I wasn't in the real Navy. Uh, but also my grandfather, his father was served in World War II, uh, my grandfather, Dorsey Simmons. So I come from, I'm a third-generation veteran, and, you know, I want to tell you a little bit why I joined. It wasn't so much for, it really was to, to carry on something that was instilled in me that, hey, freedom isn't free. And it's, so at that time, when I was in high school, um, the Operation Freedom was going on, and I just, there was something in me that said, I want to I wanna serve. And ultimately, I did know I wanted to become a servant to the public, too, and that's what I ultimately did was become a firefighter. Uh, so anyhow, I, I signed up, and I think it was in April of 91, and so I was 17 years old. And then I went in when I was just had turned 18 in September of 1991, shipped off to San Diego, and, and that was awesome. Uh, huh? And so anyhow, in San Diego, the weather was great, and uh, so... Long, I'll tell you just a funny story, and you guys have to have a funny story, too. So in delayed entry, that was what was going on. I signed up in, like, January of 91, and it was a program that, veter that uh, service members can sign up, and you can kind of get acclimated to what the military life is going to be like. I think it was once a month we would meet for all day on a Saturday. There, we'd go through PT. They would show us things, different things about the Navy. And so I just remember them, one, one of those meetings, they said, man, because they, and even my father said, when you get to boot camp, not only do you got to do your daily routine, you got to do physical fitness, you got to go to all these classes, but each morning or at night, you get extra duty. And I'm like, extra duty? What's extra duty? He says, well, for me, it was peeling potatoes, like, all morning, like, at, from 4 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock or 5.30. 
And so it just, like, I don't like the, I didn't like that idea. I didn't like, and he says, or you can wash dishes or you can cook, and I didn't like that idea either. And so I remember in delayed entry program, uh, one of the recruiters said, if you play a musical instrument like drum or bugle, and I'm like, well, that narrows it down to two, he says, we ha- there is a Navy drum and bugle corps that meets the whole time during boot camp, and he says, you guys do your own thing other than, you know, you do your classes with your people, but you go out. And I'm like, huh. And it was just a seed that was planted. And then I remember the first day of boot camp, we're sitting down, and there was a chalkboard, and they separated people out by what they had done before they joined the Navy. And they said, anybody play a musical instrument? My hand went up. And they're like, what would you play? I said, I played the trumpet. And so... Now, granted, I hadn't played the trumpet. I had lessons when I was in a fifth grade for two months before they kicked me out. <laughs> two months. But I'm like, how hard can it be? You know? So I remember they ran us all. They separated us out. They ran us to this big auditorium. And when I got there, the fear just came over me because there was one guy with a music stand right here playing what they wanted him to play on music sheet. And I'm like, oh, this ain't good. And grant, there was like 400 people in this room. There was people playing drums, and then they would get up one at a time and have somebody play. And so I remember I got up there, and I grabbed that trumpet, and it was just like, it was just horrible. And this, there was a panel, like four guys, they're just looking at me. They're like, go ahead, play. And they're like, warm up. And I'm like, that is me warmed up. And they're like, have you ever touched one of those before? And I was like, well, yeah, it's been a long time, you know, it's like, I'm nervous, and so they're like, you go over there, and there was about six of us over there, and so we sat, and we sat while everybody else, and they're like, all right, you guys, you guys are horrible, don't, if we ever catch you playing one of those instruments and noises coming out of it, you will be kicked out of the Navy, but we need extra marchers, so you guys are in, and so... Literally, I went to football games. We went to parades. I went to every graduation. And when I called my father, we finally was able to call. He's like, no, you're just, he was like, you're lying because he thought I took after him. And he's always telling little tales. And I was like, no, I'm being, I'm being as real as I'm, I'm in the Navy drum and bugle corps. And so at the end of boot camp, I bought the videotape because he never did believe me. And I'm on this videotape marching. So that was, that was interesting. So I do want to get to Scripture um, there, there was many, many more funny stories. But what was awesome about the service was I was with other men and women who understood the importance of freedom. And so we took an oath, and I want to read that oath because we'll get to this oath in a second. It's not a very big one. It's actually shorter than our offering declaration. <laughs> and this is what all enlisted people, uh, the oath of being enlisted. It's I and fill in your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of officers appointed over me according to the regulations and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. And that's important because... I do know that the draft was implemented in Vietnam, but after that, the draft hasn't been instituted since. And everybody that you see up here, we volunteered to go into the service. We weren't forced. We weren't persuaded. It was a choice that we all had taken to do. And most of the veterans in here, almost all of them that I know of, volunteered to join the service. 
And it's, it's unique that, you know, once you're in, you're kind of locked in, right? And so, but I look at that correlation to the church. You guys are all volunteering to be here. But we've turned into almost an a la carte type of church and Christianity. Because even the military, I mean, there was benefits that people even that aren't veterans see that they want to they access. Look it up. The workouts of a Navy SEAL, the workouts of an Army Ranger, all these different principles of the military. People actually pay to have people punish them and roll them around in sand and flip tires and whatever else. I mean, you can look it up. But the same thing's true for Christianity. There's many people who want the, the benefits of something, but they don't want the whole thing. And that's why we're here today to, sh- to tell you that when we signed up, we did get the benefit of working out, but we also got the benefit of picking up cigarette butts even though I never smoked. They would walk us through the pine trees, and I'm like, this is, there were some things that we did in the military. I just, in the back of my mind, I would be like, why are we doing this? But I would never say it, but then you go back, and everybody had the same question, but nobody would ask that question, because if you asked, you would probably be doing it more. And so, why I joined really was to serve, and then once I got into the Navy, I understood that these brothers and sisters that were beside me had that same thing instilled in them. And it has transitioned very, very well for me, but I do want to read a scripture, and then I want to ask the gentleman behind me just to introduce himself a little bit, what branch they were in, and why they joined the service. And, and I was in the United States Navy Seabees, and what we did was construction. We were the construction uh, force of the Navy, but we were also we were a, a combat unit. So, I mean, we would go in there and set up camps when it wasn't so, so friendly uh, to set up forward operating bases and different things. And, and I know Nick was in some sort of this. He was in the same type in the Air Force, and we, we worked together a lot, his units and my units. And so that was what I did for four years. I loved it. And I would probably would have transitioned into some other type of service if it wasn't for meeting my wife when I came back home from leave on the Navy. But so John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And this is speaking of Jesus, that there is no greater love than than God that had said, here's my son. And that was something, too, that you, we just kind of, sometimes we get that concept that Jesus just, you know, was following orders. It was like, you know, he still volunteered to bear his cross. He prayed, and he was, you know, and I know I prayed a lot in the military. I was like, God, what did I get myself into? If there is a way out, let me have it. But I still bore that cross. And no love is greater than Jesus who laid his life so all of us can have access to all the benefits of the cross. Not just the healing, all these benefits, the salvation, heaven, all these different things. But... As I turn this over, I just want to start with Nick. He's, he's a relative of mine, and I, I remember when I'd come home on a leave from the Navy. He was still in high school, and he would just ask me a ton of questions. And so uh, here's Nick, one of our great veterans, and then we'll introduce Richard also. Um, so do you want us to answer the questions, like one of the questions? Or? All right. All right, so my name's Nick. Um, I uh, was raised up in Houston, which is in the middle of nowhere, uh, and um, when I was a senior in high school, 
in 17, that's when 9-11 happened, um, which hopefully everybody knows what that is in here. And, uh, and so at that time, um, I, uh, I became very angry at uh, everybody that was trying to tear apart the United States. Um, so when I graduated high school, uh, the first thing I did was um, join the military. I went into the recruiter's office the first open door there in alphabetical order was the Air Force, so that's the first one I went into. I was pretty much open to any branch um, that would have taken me, but the Air Force was my uh, number one. My grandfather, Dorsey Simmons, was in the Air Force, which, is, which translates to that's probably the best branch that there is. So, um, and when I went in there and, and they asked me, they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well... Um, I want to kill terrorists. I thought, at first I thought I wanted to be a cop, but then um, that didn't work out. And then they said, do you want to be a firefighter? And I said, no. And so uh, then there was this job called combat engineer. And, um, and I thought, that sounds you know, pretty cool. You, you go behind the enemy lines. You may build stuff. And, um, and they train you to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. So I joined, and I was trained on a Navy base on... Uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, so you go to your boot camp, and then from there I went to a Navy base and learned everything opposite of what I was learned in boot camp, which was totally confusing to me. And then from there they said, since you're 99% of the Air Force is not combat, but 1% is, and I was part of that 1%. So you're going to be tasked, they're appointed to basically the Army when we go on deployments, which was also very confusing. And... Um, so up until this point, we just train um, up into your deployments. Um, it's, and I like to, for non-veterans, kind of uh, relate it to Olympic, Olympians. Um, basically, you know, they train their whole adult and mostly childhood for this one event, the Olympics. Um, it's the same way with us. You know, we, we go through training, and, um, and our Olympics is combat. That's what we trained for, um, day in, day out, weekends. Um, whenever they wanted us to train, that's what we did. Uh, while during that time, I met um, Tiana and fell in love. Everybody can say, aww. Um, thank you. Tiana is also a veteran. She was active duty, and uh, which was like made her like super hot. Yeah, and um, so. Most of my stories revolve around, uh, basically when I joined, I had planned on kind of wanting to be in forever. I was, or until all the terrorists were dead. That's, that was my plan. Um, and so um, I met her and my chains just changed like that. Um, and then during this time when I fell in love, that's when I got deployed. Uh, so I got deployed and was sent with the army and um, you know, there's a lot of funny stories there, but I mean, like 99% of the stories uh, we are probably not church appropriate or um, that we would tell another non-veteran. But, you know, that I was on a C-130 and we was carrying our guns and um, we had our rucksacks and all of our bags were right next to the door and the door opens and we're getting shot at while we're flying into Iraq. So you can hear ting, 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 ting all over the C-130. And it's doing this crazy bankroll just to land, just to get us off. And the back door opens, and they kick off our bags on these pallets. 
and then just our bags are just flying out the back door. And I'm, I'm like in the middle of this pack, and all these guys are, you know, like Richard and George's size because they're just, that's what they're born and bred to do is be in the army. And I'm, I'm not a huge guy, in case you didn't know. But somehow um, they always put me with the biggest guns, and my bag always looked like twice the size of everybody else's. So they get me in between someone that looks like Richard and George, and, and they're like, get off the plane, and they're yelling at us, screaming at us. And I'm like, all right, and the plane is still moving. And I can see, like, we, it looks like we're flying, and I have no parachute. And so, you know, they're just, like, we're running basically out a door, and, uh, and so they're like, just do what we taught you. And I was like, nobody ever taught me how to, uh, how to do what they do, like run out and jump out of a plane, but okay. And so we run, and I jump, and um, it felt like I was, like, falling forever, but it, literally the plane was, like, on the ground. And it was just driving. And, uh, and I landed on the person in front of me, and then the guy landed right on me. And then, you know, immediately, um, the, bank, the base I was on in Iraq was always under attack. And this was during Ramadan in 2004, was my first deployment. And it was, it was we was under attack then. And um, so you heard the, the sirens, and so we all took cover. And I remember that at that point, that's, before that, I kind of was playing house with God. Um, I didn't fully accept God until I met Tiana. Um, and at that point, um, sitting in a bunker, um, I told God, because I thought I was going to die. Like, my, like, I first landed in Iraq, and I was like, I'm going to be here um, for six months to a year, and, and I'm going to die. Uh, so at that point, I made a deal with God. I said, uh, if you get me out of this, get me home to my fiance, um, I will serve you the rest of my life. Well, God kept his end of the bargain, so since so have I. Um, it was um, a very eye-opening experience for a young guy. I mean, it was 20 years old. And, you know, it's every day we was on the convoys or sending guys home, um, and I just did a lot of growing up at a young age, came home for six months, and went again for a year. Um, my wife, who's very, very, very intelligent, as well as beautiful, said, did you like growing up without a dad? My dad was never around. He left, um, and I said no, and she said, well, that's what your kids are going to have if you stay in the military. She had gotten out when she got pregnant. So um, at that point, I got out. Um, the closest thing that I could find to the military um, is a police officer as far as I need a purpose. I need to serve. Um, it's in me. We're warriors. That's what we're trained to do. We can't just shut it off. So that's what I moved into and been doing that ever since, but. It's when you're in combat, it is, it is the, the worst thing in the world. You just want to come home. You know, you get your letters, you just want to come home. As soon as you come home, you want to go back. It's, it's crazy to, to, to understand that the, the shortest part of our lives will forever define us. You know, me and Richard and George will, 
we'll be defined as combat veterans for the rest of our lives for a year and a half sent overseas. Um, but we wouldn't trade it for the world. Guarantee it. Um, so, like I said, my, my home life as a teenager, mama tried, but it wasn't the best. Um, and I needed to change, and, and I wanted to go. And given the chance, knowing what I know now, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, even if I had horrible, horrible, horrible experiences, I would do it again in a second. Uh, so that's my story. So. A lot of you have might have seen, uh, by the way, thank you, Nick. Um, you're looking at some people, and, and I don't know too many people that don't have this passion that doesn't get emotional. Um, that's how God made us, and it's okay. Um, you know, but we do get emotional, but we also give 100%. And when you have 100% in you, there's a lot of emotion in that. So a lot of you uh, may or may not know uh, Richard Diaz. And, um, man, what a gem that he is that God sent him, to, sent him our way um, from Texas. But, uh, you know, somehow found his way into Tip City and found his way into our doors. And I've been running with him ever since. Uh, he was in, we used to have a small group that met here at the church. And, uh, man, he wasn't in a good way there for a while. Uh, so through time, through him being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm open. Yeah, man, you've really made an impact in my life. But, uh, you know, we're, we want to hear a little bit about you, Richard. All right. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard Diaz. I uh, graduated from Tip City High School in uh, 2006 um, after a uh, failed attempt of uh, trying to do away with school from our lifestyle in Texas, which was the main reason our dad moved us up here. To, it's, we lived in a border town um, five miles from Mexico, so the only thing to do there was either be a drug dealer or a coyote, which is somebody who crosses illegals or graduate and get out, but it wasn't happening where I was from. So in that attempt, my dad moved us up here and um, I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. I told my parents a week before I was getting ready to ship out, like, hey, I'm leaving, you know, you, can, you guys can do what you want with that info, but I'm, I'm gone, you know. Um, so they threw me a party and sent me away. I joined in July of 2006 I'm signed up for, well, when you join the Marine Corps, you don't really sign up for whatever job you want. You know, they don't paint it pretty like the Air Force does. You know, <laughs> they just say, hey, you're going to, you're in the middle of two uh, um, conflicts, Iraq and Afghanistan at that time. So you're going to be an 03, whatever, which is the job title, 0300, which is infantry related. And I, you know, I signed up. That's what I wanted to do. You know, backtracking to my freshman year in high school uh, when it was uh, September 11, 2001. You know, that was my main reason for joining. You know, and getting away from my old lifestyle was my second reason for joining. But like I said, once I was gone, um, boot camp was a blur. It's the worst part of the Marine Corps. I can. I, I can 
I'm being completely honest. But um, it, was, it was definitely an eye-opener. I was 19 years old and graduated boot camp, got sent home for 10 days, and then day six of my 10-day uh, uh, leave, they called me and they said, hey, we need guys to go to Afghanistan, so you're going on an advanced party to uh, infantry school. So we did a, uh, a rush version of uh, infantry school, which is generally two months long. I was in and out in a month, and they were, uh, they just crammed us with all the uh, knowledge that they think we, you know, they thought at the time we needed to know to be combat ready. But, I mean, 19 years old, you're not thinking that, you know, you can train and play all these video games and think you're ready for something like that. But as soon as you, you know, like I said, you can train. We trained for months and months, you know, got ready and, you know, practiced things in the dark, blindfolded. And, you know, everybody's ready and everybody thinks they want to kill terrorists up until the point where the terrorist is real. And he's, you know, next thing you know, you got a bullet hole next to your head, you know, and it's. It sinks in. It's very real. Um, sorry for not having a funny story. <laughs> it's just, um, it's something that you appreciate, you know. A, uh, a breath is, it, it has a different meaning after that. And you, uh, you, you learn to, you don't ever get over it, which is a, uh, you know, uh, something another veteran here told me, you learn to live with it. And I think, I, I very much believe that God put me here for a purpose, you know, after after the Marine Corps. And uh, he brought me here to some great people. You know, you know, the first person I met here were, uh, first people I met were veterans themselves, Nick and Tiana. And I met them through my parents, you know, and said there's no coincidence in that you know, is why I'm here now, you know, that introduced me to Matt and Pastor Aaron, and I've been trying to do my part in serving the church and the community, you know, through God and, you know, with God on my side. Um, they, uh, they've done a lot for me here at Upper Room. I mean, more than, I can honestly say more than family, so this is my family here. You know, when I was going through struggles, Post, uh, post Marine Corps, post war struggles. I had, like I said, Nick and Tiana were were always there for me, for my family. Um, and um, I can relate to him because of his his history, you know, in in, in uh, uh, just being overseas in Iraq or Afghanistan. And um, you tend to stick to that group of people once you're out. You know, you you come home and. You know, you're expected just to be a, um, another sheep, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, not everybody's made to be a sheep. You know, we have different types of, pe you know, people, and I was looking for that group of, that small group of people that I can coexist with, you know, and be a part of. So that being said, you know, I, I got close to guys like Dave, Nick, Matt. You know, they, uh, that we had a guy named Jackson here at the time, and those guys, those group of guys really helped me, 
kind of let my guard down because for, for the longest time, even coming here to church, you know, giving my life to Jesus, it made it hard to still, you know, put my guard down. You know, when you're trained to, to uh, eliminate a threat at any given second, you know, regardless of age, gender, you know, um, you put up a wall on purpose, you know, to, you, you let people see what you want them to see, you know, and uh, there's a group of people here that have heard my, my true, my whole story, but it's, like I said, it's a very limited group, and it's simply because there's things that you just don't tell people that are, you know, non-veterans or non, you know, people who, they just wouldn't understand, and I, uh, I really thank, thank God that he brought me in this, these doors here. And, you know, like I said, he set me up for success in bringing me in here. And I just believe wholeheartedly that this church is behind their veterans, you know, and trying to lead them the right way towards God, which is our ultimate goal, you know, is to be in heaven together. Um, I don't, I don't... I really know what else to say to you guys. It's just, um, I appreciate all of you. And uh, I'd never say stuff like this. Um, like I said, I'm very uh, quiet. So, I mean, if you guys ever see me, say hi to me. I'm usually not smiling. It's just, <laughs> you know, I, I can't apologize for that. It's just, like, like Nick said, you don't lose that short, shortest part of your life in a second. You know, it's something that stays with you till the day you, you die. And like I said, I'm really, I'm a nice guy. So, I mean, you guys, just, you know, <laughs> so don't let, don't so let the face for you. So is all of our veterans. But, uh. Thank you. All right. I, I do want to wrap this up because we have a, a, a little thing that we're going to do for all of our veterans for the, the deep appreciation that our church does have for veterans. But I do want to tie this into to scripture. Um, I read something this week that really just, it, it's so true, and I remember this. Uh, I read something on the, on the Internet, and I would believe everything that I read on the Internet, by the way. But this is true because I know it's true. Over two-thirds of serving veterans believe the Bible contains everything a person needs to live a meaningful life. And I remember while I was in, you know, there was, there's multiple opportunities for guys who serve to, to talk to a chaplain, to go to a service. And actually, when I was in Biloxi, I got out of other duty by singing in all three choirs. And, <laughs> and you notice they don't give me a microphone up here. Oh, gosh. Uh, but I look to the Bible, and I'm like, God, you know, why are we different? And I don't think we're that much different than you sitting in your seat today. I really don't. I think that everybody has a purpose in life, and I know that. But as far as how we were created, we can all serve with a purpose. And if you listen to Nick and you listen to Richard and any of our veterans will tell you that, you know, it wasn't blindly serving orders that were given to us that made no sense. We always knew there was a higher purpose. We knew that there was a purpose of freedom for our country. And how that translated sometimes was really, really goofy. We'll be honest with you. Some of the things that we had to do just didn't make any sense. But it was ultimately when you 
get to points of where you were like these gentlemen. Thank God I never had to be in that type of situation. Uh, when they gave me a gun, we ended up not having to use them. But we always knew there was a higher purpose. And in this life, in transitioning from being a veteran to being a Christian to being somebody who serves in a local church, we understand, I understand, there's a higher purpose. I understand what Aaron does. There's some sort of purpose. I don't always have to ask why. And I remember telling somebody not too long ago, because somebody was upset at something that was asked of them to do, somebody who was serving here in a church in, in some sort of fashion. And I said, you know what? If my brother told me, and speaking of, if my pastor told me to go stand on the, in the corner on my head, I would do it. While I'm there, I'm going to be wondering all kinds of things in my head. But ultimately, I understand that God set him up to lead this church. And if he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because he hasn't let me down to date. And that I understand and I've seen the great things that have come out of this church. I've seen the great miracles. I've seen so many people saved, set free, and living what God has destined them to be with this purpose in their life. Too many times to have people who ignore God's word. And whatever's asked upon me, I will do. And you're looking at two guys here besides myself. Richard, God, I could go on and on and on how he has served this church. There for a while, he was the only one mowing the grass here. The only one until he finally, reluctantly, I, I did, he didn't call it. I, I went to him and said, dude, are you, you all right? I mean, do you need some help? Well, I wasn't going to ask, but yeah, I, I'm, it's just, it's. So we have a system now, but he's still a part of that. And he serves on the security team here. And it's like, but he understands the purpose. And it's like, hey, how can I fit in? And when I transitioned out of the military, I, I chose a career just like Nick in public service. And the, the utmost thing that we will not tolerate in the military and we won't tolerate in a fire department, you won't tolerate in a police department is deserters. Deserters is the highest crime in the military. Punishable by death. Even in the U.S. forces. Because you have to be able to know when you're in that fight and when you're in the mission that the guy sitting or the gal sitting next to you on your right or your left is there 100%. That you can trust them, that they are in there with you. Same for the police department. Same for the fire department. If we're in a burning structure, we need to know the guy that has our back actually has our back. And I want my brother, who is my pastor at this church, to know no matter what, I got your back. So the, the gentleman that comes to mind in the Bible that really epitomizes this, in my belief, is Jonathan. And I'll, I'll read a scripture here, a few scriptures, and then I will tie this up. First uh, Samuel 18, 1 and 2 and 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt, his bow and his belt. So you have to understand Saul was the king at the time and Jonathan was the heir to the throne. But David was anointed king by Samuel. You would think the opposite would happen. You would think that when Jonathan meets David that he's going to be like, well, who's this guy? I'm the next king. Who are you? But his spirit knew. He knew that there is a higher purpose and there's a calling and there's an anointing on David. 
Then he spends the next 14 years protecting David. Serving alongside of David, warning him, telling him there was a great story in there where he shoots arrows and the, the correlation of these arrows and if this happens and if that happens, you're safe or you're not safe. Military stuff. I mean, it's just crazy and it's amazing how Jonathan knew his father wanted to kill David but yet spent the next 14 years saying, David, I got your back. And, and there's many times, it was so close of a relationship, many people think Jonathan, there's these naysayers that think Jonathan and David had a homosexual relationship in the Bible. That's the love that Jonathan had for David that people can construe it and say, this is odd because in the Bible, this, this points to something else. It doesn't point to anything else other than somebody who knew what his purpose was in life. And if it, just think if it wasn't for Jonathan, where would we be? Jesus Christ himself comes from the lineage of David, and Jonathan protected that. It's an amazing story. Even so, in 2 Samuel 9, 7 through 8, this is what happened after Jonathan's death. David was still here, and David says to his only son, oh man, I'm going to butcher this, Mabishashaf. Is that close, Josh? Don't be afraid, David said for him, for I surely will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all of the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And this was Jonathan's son who was, was disabled. That was really cast aside. And he says later, he says, I'm nothing more than a dog because that's how they treated the disabled in the Bible. Not the Christians. And so David says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out here. I'm, you, you don't even know. You're going to receive the benefits because of how well your father served me. For all the days of your life, all the land will be restored and you will always have a place at my table. I say all this to wrap up that these guys are really no different than you sitting there. We need a purpose. I hope today after we thank these veterans and and really show this appreciation that you will call deep into your heart and say, am I really, you know, could I do something like that? Absolutely. You could do something as simple as grabbing one of those blue bags and filling it up for a Thanksgiving thing. We want the a la carte in here, it seems like. Some of us want to pick and choose when we come and serve and when we want to do this. And it's like, these gentlemen never pick and choose. They're here every week, every week, faithful every week. And it's like this, and that's, you know, me as somebody who, you know, now serves at the fire department in this, that's like, you know, I tend to gravitate to those people who have those traits, who will not desert, who will be there, who are faithful, who are serving. And when you serve, it costs you something. These gentlemen here said, you know, it's a short period in their life, but it will be with them the rest of their life. What have you done in this last year that has cost you something that sticks with you? There are so many opportunities in this church to serve and serve well. We have a wall out there that we, they spend hours, our leadership spends hours trying to make it as easy as possible for you to serve. There is a way that you can serve. And then when you serve, you're serving God. When we took the oath as, an, as a veteran, we took the oath to have faith in God first. I just say to you that if there's something that you can, is tugging on your heart today, find a way to serve because we can't accomplish the mission that God has for this church unless everybody gets involved.
You can't just show up on Sunday and take and take and take and not give back. You'll, you, would, you would take five minutes today and just before you leave, talk to any of these veterans and see what was taken from them. And yet here they sit, still ready to serve with people who are in it till the end. And it translates, I was going to have them tell about it, but it translates well. I mean, these are the most tender-hearted guys that I've been a part of. But yet I'll be with them and I'll see, you know, the emotion come out. And know that there are scars that are still there. There are some deep things that are still there, but it's a process. It's, these guys are willing to say, hey, I'm still, I'm in a work in progress, but while I'm doing it, I need my next mission. The next mission. And I just challenge you today, as I call up Steve Bowen, is Steve here? I challenge you to say to yourself, just ask that question. Is there something in the last year of my life here at Upper Room Worship Center that has, you know, impacted me so much that it still tugs today? I'll just say that just a couple months ago, we went out to the nursing homes and we took Kleenexes. It was a day that we went out, we gather here every once, I think every fifth Saturday to do an outreach. And I just remember this lady crying because it wasn't the Kleenexes. It was just the, me visiting her with my son Judah. And it was just, that has so impacted me because I remember on the ride home, my son said, that was so fun. An 11-year-old taking him to a nursing home. And it's like that impacted him. And it was a, a moment that I'll never forget. Him laying hands on a lady and praying that she has a better day. She has a better week. That she'll be healed and that, that her family will actually come and visit her. My 11-year-old. There are so many ways that you can serve. There are so many ways that you can make an impact. And I just want to say thank you one more time to Richard and Nick. Because they've impacted my life. They impact my life by hearing their stories, but they also impact my life every Sunday when I come into this church and I see you serving beside me. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Well... This is why we serve veterans. That's why we serve. That's why we do uh, meetings like this. Those, it's a, this is on display, folks. This is exactly why we serve veterans, why we love them, and why we, we give to them. Uh, this year <laughs> at uh, Veterans Service, or not this year, but at the Veterans Service, this year I was thinking about it, Veterans Service. I got to think about my own, my own call of duty. Served six years in the Navy. Two, uh, two years were kind of like just kind of out there somewhere than four years full active service and I didn't go to Vietnam or anything like that so a bunch of guys online were talking about uh, just what what a veteran looked like and I wrote I wrote a friend wrote put it on Facebook I said what do you call what do you call someone who didn't find uh, go into war what do you call somebody like that who during uh, this war called Vietnam stayed at home and then one of my friends <laughs> my friends wrote me back he says we call those people brothers we call those people brothers. 
And it really affected my life. It really did. It really, really touched my, my life in a big way. And then another guy, I, I uh, met a guy this week, a couple of weeks ago, I met a guy who really has a heart for veterans. He's part of the, the uh, military uh, support group here in Dayton, the Dayton area. And uh, he gave me t uh, some uh, special pins for Vietnam veterans. And it was really touching to t talk to him. And, and he reiterated, he actually told Patty, he says, tell your husband to not call, don't shrink back from calling himself a vet. Remember that? He says, because he's a vet. That's just the brotherhood of people who've been in the military and, and us honoring them. I remember I was in an airport and uh, I was flying back from Albuquerque. Well, I'm not telling another story. I was, I was uh, driving down the road and sometimes what happens is I see people, I notice things, and there was a guy standing on the corner and uh, he had a, a sign that said, uh, Vietnam vet. Uh, please, please help me. So I pulled into the filling station, got some gas, walked up to him, started talking to him. I said, hey, has anybody ever said thank you for your service and welcome home? He says, nope. I said, nobody's ever done that for me. I said, I've been spit at, yelled at, and cursed at, but I've never been welcome home and been thanked for my service. So I went up to my car, and I had a coin. I had a challenge coin in my car, and I went up to, to get the coin. I came back, and I said, look, I want to... I want to do two things for you. I want to look you in the eyes, and I want to shake your hand. And I want to say two things to you. And I looked him in the eyes, and I grabbed his hand, and I said, thank you for your service. And then I said, welcome home. And he just stared at me. He was like, you know, he just really just stared at me. Then I hand him a coin. I said, I want to give you this coin just to remind you, remind you of God's love for you and his care for you. And that there are people who value you for what you have done, and not just for what you've done, but who you are. And so when I gave him the coin, he stood there just almost in a daze, and he looked at the coin, and I went back to my car, and I, and I watched him, and for over three minutes, he just stood there just looking at the coin, turning it over and over and over again, just looking at this, this little silly coin, that, not silly, but just a little coin that, that meant something to him. And there's a man here today. Every time I come to church, there's a man here. We gave a coin last year. And every time I come to those doors, he, he pulls this coin out, out of his pocket and he shows me every time, every time that I come to this church. Just amazing. And Patty said something today, and we're going to wrap this up pretty quick. But Patty said something to me today. We're driving in. She goes, you know, uh, the military guys, those who are in service, they, they gave everything. They gave everything, their lives on the line for our freedom. And sometimes for the return, what we need to do is give them the same freedom in return by praying for them and honoring them and loving on them and listening to them as we heard today. This, was a, this, 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 this message was, was totally, totally is why we, we serve and love our veterans. The other thing I just want to encourage you, if you re read the Bible, David had a Jonathan. Gideon, who was a chicken, had Pura who went into the enemy's camp. I love that verse. It says, God says to Gideon, hey, I want you to go down to Midian, uh, Midian camp and check out what they're going to say. And by the way, if you're afraid, take Pura with you. Next verse, Pura and Gideon go down into the enemy camp. <laughs> I love that. And then you think of, of Daniel. You know, Daniel had three friends. He, he, he wasn't alone. He had three friends that helped walk through this really difficult uh, life that Daniel was called to walk through. And those three, if you read, read Daniel, it says, O king, God has given us 
the answer. It wasn't just Daniel got the answer. The three guys banded together like brothers, prayed all night, and God gave them the answer to give to the king that spared all the all of the people who are in wisdom in uh, uh, as believers and non-believers in, in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, kingdom. So if you're a veteran today, I'd like you to stand up. I really, if you're a veteran today, I'd like you to really just stand up. And this is going to be a little bit different than what we did last year. But what I, what I want you to do is what I want you to do, and vets, this is going to be hard for you, but I encourage you to let them do it. I would like you now, everybody go around them right now. Just gather around them. Gather around those who are standing. Gather around them. And what I want you to do is with, with their permission, if you put your hand on their shoulder, and then somebody, just somebody, just now, somebody grab their hand. Somebody just grab a hold of their hand. Just right now, just grab their hand. Look them in the eyes if they'll look at you. <laughs> and what I want you to say is thank you for your service. We just do that just now. And then what I want you to say is welcome home. And now what I want you to do is just pray for them. You know, that you heard some guys who have stuff in their hearts. Pray right now. Just release the kingdom, Lord. We release the kingdom. Just pray for them now. Lord, we release the kingdom. We release the Holy Spirit upon them, God. We release your goodness over their hearts and their minds and their spirits, God. And we say thank you, Father. We say thank you for their service. Thank you, God, that when they come home as wounded warriors, that you are the healer, that you are the one who says be strong. You are the one who says be courageous. You are the one who says be on your guard and stand firm in the faith. And so, Father, today we release, we release right now your Holy Spirit to comfort their hearts and to heal them up and to love them from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. And now if the leaders could come up, if the leaders could come up and just grab a coin here. If you, all the leaders who are here today, just grab some coins. And then if you're a veteran today, I'd like you to come up and receive your coin this year, which is really part of the armor of God. And if you're a, vet, a Vietnam vet, if you're a Vietnam vet, we'd like you to stand over there where Patty is. We'd stand over there where Patty is. And Patty will, will, has something special for you if you're a Vietnam vet. So all the vets come up. We want to give you a coin just now, just to honor you. And you can pray for him as you get a, get a coin. You can also pray for him. Let's all stand now. Let's just give them a big applause for today. It was a wonderful world. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Awesome. And lastly, we want to say thank you so much to all the families and all the wives and all the mothers. We want to say thank you today as well. Thank you for giving up. Everything. You gave up more, more than we know. And we just want to honor you today as well. Well, God bless you guys today. Be sure to... 
hug somebody, go to love someone before you leave today. God bless you.